And welcome everybody to another episode of the Neil World Order podcast. Happy belated Thanksgiving, everyone. Um, I hope everyone enjoyed plenty of food and blessings and hanging out with their family or friends or whatever you do. Hopefully you didn't indulge too much either and uh, maybe even squeezed in some shopping. Uh, I think Black Friday is still a thing, right? I know a lot of places were closed on Thanksgiving this year, as they should be. I mean, I think it's just kind of, I don't know, like, are people actually going places, like, super early on Friday morning, like, stupid early? I I spent way too many years working in retail, and I, I don't really engage in all of the Black Friday stuff, in person, anyways. I'm more of, like, a online shopper, I guess, when it comes to it. I just think of all those mornings where we had to be there at, like, 4.30 a.m. just for it to really not be that busy and work I don't know it usually was like a 12-hour day and I I don't know I just you know I guess if you work in retail it's it's just par for the course but yeah it it seemed like you know just when I was out in town on Friday it didn't seem like there was a lot of people out Uh, that was my take on it anyways I guess I thought the news said people were still spending lots of money but I feel like it was online but um yeah, I think, you know, it's people using Amazon and, you know, almost every Walmart, Target, whoever, Nike, everyone has like their own app and it makes the whole process a whole lot easier and obviously way less hectic if you're just doing it online. Uh, you know, and my takeaway, you know, like I said, from being on the retail side of it for many, many years is that the sales are never really anything really special. Um, I think a lot of it is just ad promotion. And they, you know, it seems now those deals have been going on for like weeks and months. And they've just kind of taken away from the insanity of it being this small window to get deals to like, okay, maybe they do many days of deals, almost like a Hanukkah kind of thing, even though it's not. But like... uh, You know, this day there's a deal. This I know Walmart was doing this thing on the app where, like, every Monday at 7 p.m. they would drop something. Uh, I couldn't tell you what one of the items was. I just remember seeing the commercial and getting updates on my phone. But it's just, I, you know, and on top of it, really, unless you want, like, a TV, a video game device, uh, I don't know, some kind of Apple device or any other electronics, there really isn't, isn't much to go after. Um, you know, some of your favorite brands will do like a 30% or 25% off kind of thing. You know, I don't know. I feel like the, the whole doorbuster thing is gone. Apparently Walmart was uh, had a huge thing on like 65-inch TVs that were flying out the door. Um, I uh, got myself a 70 last year uh, from Best Buy, so I don't really have to participate in the TV. We have a lot of TVs in this house, and... I think 51 inches, the smallest one we currently have, and that sits on the bar and is not even in use. It's going to be hanging up once the whole basement is finished and all that. Um, <clears throat> you know, and, and I was thinking about this, uh, and I think I've mentioned it here and there, but I've never really talked a whole lot about the retail years of my life. Uh, Andrew and I have always chatted back and forth that we're eventually going to sit down and do an episode about it. Um but yeah, I worked retail sporting goods management for 12 years, like 06 to uh, 18. 
and then a few years for some other companies till I kind of decided I didn't want to be in charge anymore and I just wanted better work-life balance to kind of be home every day by five and not be in charge of people or hiring people. I saw the writing on the wall when it came to hiring people and staffing and just where that whole climate was going. Uh, I didn't know it was going to be like it is now, but it just seemed like it was trending in a way that I didn't want to be a part of it. You know, and the holidays are brutal for retail employees. They really are. Um, we, we had to do, at least like my company, I'm sure a lot of other companies, that we had to do six-day work weeks, which, if I'm being honest, were a complete waste because here's what happens. And maybe I'm just speaking for myself, but I don't think I am. One of those days, I'm going to cut out early. I'm just going to. And then there's another day or two where I'm just not going to do anything. I'm just going to cash it in. I'm just going to be there, go through the motions, and so on and so forth. Um, and I think that disconnect between corporate offices, we're real slow to realize these things. And that's kind of why we have the whole climate of no one working anymore. You know, I know a lot of people think it's people being lazy, but I think it's just people not wanting to work in certain environments and you know, they kind of want more control of their life. And, you know, because people never had that for years, a lot of people think they shouldn't. But uh, for the most part, I enjoyed my retail years. You know, I was in charge, so it wasn't like I was under the gun all the time. Um, not the holidays, you know, and that was unfortunate side effect of retail is you kind of really begin to loathe the holidays and Christmas music especially. I, I hate Christmas music like there's only like 10 songs they've just been covered by 40,000 different artists uh, and I, I I will die on the hill that Christmas music is fucking terrible I just will um, I understand it has its place and that you know the ambience and all of that but it is definitely not my thing and I think it sucks so you know for years it's safe to say that I probably wasn't the best around the holidays um, I'd always put on the happy face, you know, which is kind of the thing you do when you have kids. And, you know, even when those years were hard because you were burnt out or it's just like the holidays were sucking the life out of you. You know, on top of it, you were missing out on a lot of things, just chasing a dollar. You know, I look back at that now and I was like, really, that all that was was chasing a dollar. And it was all you invest your time and really none of it gets invested back in you. And it's just a complete waste. You know, I always tell people that now, like, don't ever kill yourself for your job because your job won't kill itself for you. And that doesn't mean be lazy. or It just means to have perspective and understand that they'll be hiring for your position before the ink on your obituary is dry. That's just how it works. And I, I have a great job now. Um, you know, and, and I think that's my biggest takeaway from years doing the management thing, trying to climb that ladder, is that it, it's really not worth it, you, you know, because you'll never get back all the time and all the money in the world doesn't matter if you're not really happy and you're not enjoying it. But, uh, you know, now I have this whole, I, no stress, no getting, I mean, I guess I get up early, but kind of get up when I want. I don't worry about sales goals. Or, or really anything that comes with the holidays or just work in general, you know. And I think the past few years have really allowed me to be present and enjoy the life that, you know, for so long I worked so hard to have and now 
feel like I work less hard and I have the life that I wanted when I was trying to when I was practically killing myself for it. So it's it's kind of ironic, but like I said, I'm fortunate. It's great. I'm happy. You know, some people that that's the thing they like that they want to give all and be that guy, and they think they're gonna you know you're just chasing your tail. Some big football games today. Uh, always a great day when Ohio State loses. Uh, Michigan put a thumping on them. I didn't get to watch the game. We went and saw Wakanda forever. Uh, the Black Panther. Yeah, you know, it was okay. I mean, dude. I mean, I wouldn't rush out to the theater and see it. It's, you know, it's one of those things I feel for him. It's kind of like I was relating it to when Val Kilmer took over in the Batman movies. I'm dating myself again. It's, it wasn't Val Kilmer's fault. It's just you were used to seeing something as the character, and that wasn't it anymore. And it was just, you know, it was meh. You know, and I think we, I was talking to my wife and my daughter, and, I, you know, we were talking about it on the way. There. I was like, there's like this Marvel fatigue. You know, like there's been so many movies. Like at some point you're just like, you're just done. You know, it's like the story just goes on and on and on, and it never ends. But anyways, back to football. Michigan put a thumping on Ohio. Uh, maybe not ending Ohio's playoff hopes. Um, I mean, technically they've had one loss, and it's to Michigan, and that's the end of their season. Michigan still has to play in the Big Ten Championship against Purdue. Um, I mean, obviously they should win, but I honestly thought Ohio State would win today. The game was in Ohio State. Ohio State looked really good. Um, not that Michigan didn't, but Michigan had some injuries, but they, they played phenomenal, and, you know, honestly... A lot of what I read said Ohio State was outcoached, which doesn't, I mean, Ryan Day is not really a great coach. It was just like somebody handed in the keys to a, a well-oiled machine, and he's just kind of been benefiting from it. Uh, Tennessee destroyed Vanderbilt today. Um, a lot of losses, in, you know, the teams ranked ahead of us. Clemson lost. LSU lost. And LSU, I believe, still has to play in the SEC championship. Uh, Oregon lost. Uh, unfortunately, USC won. That was one we needed to lose, and Alabama won. But the way I look at it is we beat Alabama, and they have two losses as well, so we should be ahead of Alabama because LSU beat Bama, and we beat LSU, and we beat Bama. Um, I honestly think, I mean, we kind of need TCU to lose in the Big 12 game. I think there's a Big 12 championship game. I could be wrong. And then we need... You know, USC obviously will play in a Pac-12 championship game. So we kind of need some help, but the potential is there. I think, you know, having laid that turd in South Carolina, we did the best we could to make our case. You know, without Hendon Hooker, uh, I don't think we'll really be able to win anyways. I think it's Georgia's to lose, but that's just my opinion. Um, you know, I don't think really anyone else is even on their level, whether it's Michigan, Ohio State. Definitely not TCU, definitely not USC, um, or anyone else that may slip in there. Um, Packers play tomorrow night. They're going to get their butts kicked, and I think that will officially be the nail in the coffin for the season. Uh, I personally think last week was, but what do I know? I mean, you know, the whole 17-game season, the fact that the NFC really isn't that good, aside from the Eagles and Vikings, um, but I think we get killed tomorrow. Uh, I think after that it becomes about, you know, resting some people and just maybe thinking about next year, maybe getting rid of trade people uh, in the offseason or firing everybody. Uh, 
you know, it was one of those seasons where everything that wasn't supposed to happen happened. I, th- I mean, you know how it was beginning of the year. I thought, oh, this is our shot, you know. We're going to make some moves. And, man, it, it, it's been brutal. Rodgers hasn't played well. Uh, you know, he's been playing with a broken thumb. Uh, the receivers, and you know, tons of injuries. Defense has been terrible. You know, the defensive scheme has been terrible. Um, we just looked really bad. We can't stop anybody. And when we can stop people, we can't score. So it's just... It's one of those years where your team just sucks, you know. I think sometimes we're spoiled as a fan base, but gives me the opportunity to work a lot in the basement tom- tomorrow. Uh, we cut a bunch of wood tonight, me and my wife. Uh, we're trying to figure out the layout of getting things started. It's it's almost like n- n- uh, nerve wracking for me now to see. Okay, the process you, as you get closer to the finish line. I know some there's a way to get excited, but then there's like, oh no, what if I don't like it? I've put in all this work and blah blah. blah. I overthink the hell out of shit, so. It's getting there. It's just figuring out a few things and some of the smaller details, but things should start to progress quickly at this point, which I'm excited and overwhelmed for uh, at the same time. So we'll see how that goes. Um, So completely changing gears now and getting into, I guess, the meat of the podcast. Uh, I talk on here all the time, like, you know, relating it to other things. Um, you know, buzzwords and things that the media throws out their stuff, and I call it like the Taylor Swift theory. Um, for those of you who don't know or may have forgotten, that this is kind of how it works. You take a song, or, you know, it could relate to anything, something catchy, you say it a lot, you play it a ton, eventually everyone likes it because it's all they hear. Uh, next thing you know, everyone knows all the words, and eventually everyone is dancing to it. You know, and then then you launch a huge tour and crash Ticketmaster apparently and charge people thirty thousand dollars for tickets. I don't know if any of you saw the craziness with uh, Taylor Swift and Ticketmaster, which Ticketmaster is. There's, I mean, Pearl Jam couldn't beat Ticketmaster in the '90s. No, you know, if anyone's going to beat them, maybe it's Taylor Swift. But I, I don't see her really going to battle over it because she's getting paid regardless. So. She had the Taylor Swift had the launch of her new album Midnight, uh, and then you know that coupled with the release of her song Antihero, which is all over social media. Um, you know, it's that whole me, hi, I'm the problem, it's me. In, in a sense, there's a genius to this song, and, and it's sort of a miracle. If you have been on TikTok or Instagram, there are thousands of videos of women finally admitting that they're the problem. That's progress, folks. This is something maybe we, uh, some of us men never thought we'd love to see, but bam, there it is. So anyways, you know, it's a catchy song, and the title of the song got me thinking about anti-heroes. I mean, I personally don't see Taylor Swift as an anti- anti-hero at all, um, but I've always found anti-heroes are far more interesting than just plain heroes. I mean, if you think about it, just in the world around us, you could, one could argue Donald Trump is an anti-hero. You know, you look at his popularity, but if you look across the storytelling scene as far as television and movies, uh, anti-heroes have kind of always been there. You know, in television, you can... I was... And it probably goes back further than this, but I went as far back as Archie Bunker on All the Family. You know, some of you have no idea what I'm talking about. 
But this character was played so well by the uh, late actor Carol O'Connor. He kind of changed television. Archie was this old, angry, some could say bigot, bullheaded, sexist old man. But he was beloved, and the, sh- the show and character are both iconic. It was at a, you know, it's a classic show. Every, you know, people either loved or hated all in the family. Um, you know, but without Archie Bunker, we never get Al Bundy, who probably, once again, people are like, who is that? He was the dad on uh, Modern Family. This is Al Bundy's what made him famous. But he also once scored four TDs for Paul Kai. Um, Al Bundy was kind of an evolution of Archie. You know, and I remember when the show Married with Children first aired, people were like up in arms and protested the show over kind of how Al Bundy spoke to his wife, his kids, and just the premise of the show in general. Like, it was a big hullabaloo. And now I think, like, there's probably stuff on the Disney Channel that is more offensive than Married with Children was in the 90s. Um, You know, and Al wasn't the best guy either, but we love Al Bundy, you know, and we will always love Al Bundy. You know, and, and like I said, I'm probably dating myself with some of these because I'm just thinking about great anti-heroes. Um, you know, you can't forget J.R. Ewing on the 80s oil drama Dallas. I believe it was on CBS. J.R. was a mean, cutthroat, terrible husband, awful brother. He was the worst of the worst, just a scoundrel. But one summer, he kept the whole country hostage over the summer cliffhanger episode of Who Shot J.R.? Everyone had a theory, you know, but as bad as J.R. was, the character was huge, people loved him, and it was what drew people to the show Dallas and made it such a huge success. Side story, Larry Hagman also played one of the beloved generals, I can't forget what his name was, on I Dream of Genie. This is where Scott's going to say out loud what the guy's name was because Scott always knows stuff like that. Um, personally, though, when I look at like the history of television anti-heroes, my favorite television anti-hero has to be Tony Soprano. The Sopranos is obviously the best show ever, in my opinion. And Tony was kind of this perfect anti-hero. You know, now, while he was a terrible husband, a hard-ass dad, I mean, a murderer, a mob boss... We also watched him struggle with mental illness and fell in love with the vulnerability of his characters, you know, his character and kind of the ups and downs of his life and seeing things, you know, I guess, you know, it's television, but the mob side from that side of the curtain, like it was kind of like being let, let in in the back and seeing kind of how things are done, you know, and I, I personally don't think James Gandolfini gets the credit he deserves as an, as an actor for making us feel such compassion and empathy for a character like Tony Soprano. You know, and t- Tony did horrible, horrible, awful things. But we never hated him. At least I think those of us that loved the show never hated Tony Soprano. I think we even at times understood why he did some of the things he did, as awful as they were. And, and to me, that's excellent storytelling, writing, and acting. You know, and really the only other thing that's even come close to uh, replicating that or creating the same sense of just magic would be the performance of Brian Cranston as Walter White in Breaking Bad, uh, which is probably the second greatest show ever made. Um, you know, early on, you think about it with Walter, we, we all kind of felt sorry for him. He was a lovable, struggling loser who's pretty much invisible in life. 
you know, and then he has cancer. Sorry if I ruined that for anyone. But um, by the end of this whole character arc, he builds this this drug empire and more or less becomes a god in his own mind. You know, the one difference I will say is I think a lot of us didn't have the same love for Walter White at the end of Breaking Bad as we did in the beginning, I think. And I think some of that was by design. I think they wanted to show this evolution of a character and how, you know, when he became everything he wanted to be, he wanted power, he wanted money, he wanted to be somebody. And then in the end, where he thought that would help him do better with his family and give everyone the life he wanted to get, it really just destroyed all that. You know, and you could argue that it was the method in which he obtained that as well, but... You know, the price he paid to get the thing, it was kind of like, you know, there's, what what is the, the two two tragedies in life, one is getting your heart's desire, the other is not getting it, but uh, I think that kind of plays into the whole character arc of Walter White, you know, and then, you know, and just to show you the anti-heroes are always there, and it's always the thing, you have the Duttons, on TV's Yellowstone, which Yellowstone is an amazing show. From the scenery, the cinematography, the acting. If you're not watching it, you really should be watching it. Um, but the whole cast is pretty much anti-heroes. Literally everyone in the show is a bad guy, but doing it for their own good reasons. Like, there's not, like, a person on there where you're like, well, he's a good guy. I mean, you could argue maybe Casey, but he still does bad things. Um... You know, when you think about it, we see it everywhere on T-shirts and just social... Every woman wants to be Beth Dutton and, you know, have her no-bullshit-ass-kicking attitude. And those same women all want their men to be Rip Wheeler, my wife included. But let's be real, it ain't going to happen, fellas. We just don't measure up. But, you know, I was thinking about that during the last episode of Yellowstone. It kind of blew my mind, and I was like, there's really... No good guys on this show. You know, and I love the characters. And, I, you know, I think it's great. And the storytelling is great. You know, and it's always kind of interesting to see where it goes. It's one of those shows I will give you. I feel like sometimes they always give you what you want. You're like, oh, this needs to happen. Or this guy needs, you know, and, and it does. So I keep telling myself, hey, at some point, they're going to let me down. You know, they're going to go the opposite way with it. Like so many shows have done. I think, you know, over time... Um, the Walking Dead would do that. You would think, oh, this needs to happen. It never would. Negan from The Walking Dead is another great anti-hero. Terrible person, but the character was played so well. Jeffrey Dean Morgan was amazing. Negan was witty and charismatic, you know, and you just were kind of like, a lot of times the bad guys are more entertaining. I mean, the Joker's more entertaining than Batman. Zod was more entertaining than Superman, except in the Man of Steel movies. I'm talking about Superman 2 and Terrence Stamp and all that. But, yeah, um, lastly, uh, I was thinking of great television shows. Um, I started watching uh, Tulsa King on Paramount with Sylvester Stallone. There's only two episodes out right now. I think maybe they come out on Sunday. I could be wrong. Um, Playing another anti-hero, out-of-prison mobsters relocated by his crime family to Tulsa because there's no room for him in New York, yada, yada. Excellent show, uh, 
it's it's kind of a perfect marriage. It's the uh, co-creator of Yellowstone and one of the co-producers of The Sopranos. So it's kind of like this perfect intermingled mix of gangster and southwestern kind of uh, flair. But um, so far in, I'm I'm really digging it. Uh, I love Sylvester Stallone. You know, and I was thinking too. I was like, wow, he's so good in this role. How has he never played like a a mobster before? And maybe he has, and I just can't think of the film. Um, but I was like, I don't recall him ever doing a role like this. And he's so, you know, at 75 years old, he's still so good at it. But, uh, yeah, check that one out if you, uh, if you haven't seen Tulsa King yet. Always love to give you guys cool shows to watch or, you know, drop a line. Let me know something cool you're watching that maybe you think a lot of people aren't onto. I'm always looking for new things to watch. You know, I probably spend too much time watching TV, unfortunately. Uh, always have. It's always kind of been one of those things for me that I'm, I know some people are like, oh, I never watch TV. I've never understood those people. Like, I make time to watch television. I love television. I mean, at some point tonight I was watching football and I watched WWE, WWE Survivor Series, which is kind of a turd. Um, then some more football. And then we watched an episode of The New Criminal Minds, which is, um, it's, I think that's on Paramount as well. The Paramount thing is great. There's a lot of stuff on there. And I think if you use code Tulsa King right now, you get a month free. And it's like Paramount, CBS, and Showtime. Uh, Showtime, you could watch Dexter, another great anti-hero. Or some of the other cool shows that are on there. But anyways. So, lastly, you guys know, in this household, we love dogs. Um, You know, between our three and the many fosters. That have come and gone, which actually we've been getting memories at this time years ago. I believe it was two years ago. Uh, could be longer. Finney was here. Um, <laughs> God, he was adorable. And uh, so, you know, we're always getting updates from the people we fostered and stuff like that. And anyways, last, not this past Wednesday, but last Wednesday or Thursday. I, I honestly can't remember. Uh, the weather got real shitty here one night. It was kind of windy and snow, sleet, slush, mat. It just seemed like it was alternating on the hour, but it was really windy. Um, you know, it was coming down in the evening. Uh, needless to say, it kind of made the roads around here just fucking terrible. Which, you know, when it sneaks up on you real quick like that and it's not coming down heavy and it kind of gets black icy and just like uh, <clears throat> lots of accidents happen. Um, and that's kind of the backdrop for our story. Um, it takes us to... Uh, a man named uh, Daniel Driscoll, who lived in Texas. Uh, his da- daughter, Danielle, who lived uh, just outside Milwaukee here. Unfortunately, in the past year, uh, Daniel had been diagnosed with stage 4 lung cancer and unfortunately lost his battle with lung cancer on this past Halloween. He had a dog, a beagle, named Little. Uh, this was like his buddy. Never left his side. Um, can relate to that. Colby is very... Uh, Loves to be with myself, my wife, my daughter, who's ever around our little beagle, just needs attention constantly. So when he passed away, his daughter, Danielle, drove from here to Texas to get the dog, Little, and bring bring her home with her, hoping to have a piece of her father with her, which, you know, is cool. I totally understand that. So upon returning to Wisconsin, they had an accident on Interstate uh, 43, which is just before the exit in Darien, I-43 is kind of like, runs from the state line all the way, I think it runs all the way to Green Bay, if we're being honest. could run even further. 
but it's kind of like one of the main interstate here in Wisconsin that goes through Wisconsin. <clears throat> the wreck, uh, which by some miracle, uh, Danielle was able to escape pretty much unscathed, some bumps and bruises. It sent Little out into the field. Um, so Little, this, I believe, two-year-old beagle, now 1,500 miles away from home, goes through a car accident, uh, you know, is launched into a field. Um, you know, she's far away from the only home she's ever known, scared, confused, took off. And in the midst of, you know, the first responders attending to people involved in the accident, the fact that it was night, she was gone. That was my phone falling over. You know, and here in the area, it's sometimes it's kind of a joke with uh, some of my coworkers and I, not the situation. There's a, f a local Facebook page, and it's uh, a county scanner page. Um, and, like, there'll be updates on everything. It'll be, like, two people standing in the road. You know, like, everything that gets called in, they report it. And like, there's always this lady that puts praying blue hands, or blue hearts and praying hands. And we always laugh about it because, like, the joke used to always be to try to post before she does. I think she just waits for this page to update on the minute. And anyone who lives here totally knows who and what I'm talking about. But anyways, <clears throat> we, uh, we saw the story of Little on there. My wife actually saw it before I did. Um, you know, with all my run-ins with Facebook jail and all that, I, I kind of got used to not being on Facebook, so I'm really not on it that much. Uh, but having a beagle of our own, it, of course it pulled at our hearts. Um, you know, one, thinking of the conditions, thinking of what happened. It had been cold. And it, that whole, you know, Wednesday, the, that was just like a slew of some of the worst weather we'd had, you know, the coldest weather we'd had year-to-date so far. Um you know, and the whole story pulled on everyone in the community. I mean, even a local firefighter spent hours, nights, days out with his own dog searching, uh, getting close to the scared beagle a few times. Um, my wife had drove up and down the roads where the spottings had been. People would post, you know, when and where they saw her. And it was kind of in the same general area. Unfortunately, it was right around the interstate and, you know, a busy highway, which is not a good place for a scared dog to be running around. <clears throat> Uh, you know, one morning, a group of us, I believe it was Saturday morning, all people from just around the, the community drove out. We were walking the fields and the woods, and, and it was it was cold that morning. It was really fucking cold. Um, you know, the temps were dropping into the single digits, you know, and unfortunately, we never saw her. We didn't see a sign of her. Uh, you know, and people would continue this search for days. I know Kai would go out and drive. Uh, she was talking to people. They had their own, I think they're still talking now. Um, we would see updates each day, you know, and at this point, lots of people had joined the search, and so many that they were afraid it was going to scare the dog even more. So, you know, one day, I would check because I was always afraid of the worst, and I didn't want Kai to see it, and I wanted to see it before she did. Um, we saw the post we were dreading. Uh, someone posted they'd seen a beagle get hit by a car on the way to work but that the dog managed to run off with a limp and seemed to be managing okay. You know, at this point, for a lot of us, we were afraid, okay, now the worst is going to happen. The dog's hurt. You know, there's plenty of coyotes around here um, on top of whatever else. Um, but, you know, sometimes the universe kind of has other plans. And that's where, like, life and the world can all be fascinating. And, you know, on the other side of darkness, there's light. So... Danielle was able to come out after a couple days, you know, 
after the accident. She placed items belonging to her father in areas where the dog had been seen. Uh, they left out a lot of food and treats in different areas, just kind of hoping to catch a glimpse of Little and trying to get her to come to her. Um, you know, and, and I think they, this went on for a couple days. And that brings us to this past Tuesday, November 22nd. After almost a week of battling the elements, and like I said, it was some of the worst weather till it got to like Monday, midday, it started to warm up. Um, you know, passing cars, trucks, tons of semis in this area, especially like farming, uh, the coyotes, you name it. Little finally came into the parking lot of the uh, Westwind Diner just off of the interstate in Darien. Uh, and it was in that parking lot that Danielle was able to get her dog back the last living part of her father. Interesting enough, it was the parking lot of a diner that her very own grandmother had owned some 30 years ago, and in that same parking lot where her grandmother was murdered in February of 1997. Of all the places, there, that's where Little finally laid down and stopped running, almost as if something gave her comfort and got her to rest, and let Danielle save her, you know, grab her, take her home. And it blows my mind, you know, that how the universe just kind of unfolds. Um, You know, unfortunately, Little's battles are not over. Uh, She was taken to the emergency vet. I believe she has a fractured leg, a lot of cuts and bruises. She has a long road of healing ahead of her, an expensive road. Um, A GoFundMe has been set up to help Danielle with Little's vet bills, which I've already hit a couple thousand. Uh, the link to the GoFundMe is actually on my Facebook page. Um, don't feel like you have to donate any any bid helps. Feel free to just share it. Um, you know, and urge everyone you can to share, donate, whatever. I just found it kind of, and you guys know me, I'm not always Mr. Share the happy story, cheery, whatever. But it was kind of cool to see that in a world that seems so divided and disconnected, it was amazing to see how one little dog's journey, pun intended, uh, brought multiple communities together, you know, and it kind of was a reminder to us that good still wins when we allow it. So think about that. But um, that's all I got. I'm going to look forward to Brandon making fun of me about the whole Taylor Swift reference, and I hope everyone had a great weekend, a safe weekend. Uh, I guess we're uh, on to Christmas in a little less than a month. Kind of crazy, isn't it? And then New Year and 2023. 2022 may be the fastest year to ever happen. But uh, everyone have a great night. Thanks for tuning in.